Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, as uh, no doubt you've been hearing on the news there, the body of Private Sean Rooney, the Irish soldier killed in Lebanon, has arrived in Dublin. Irish troops have been serving as part of the UNIFIL peacekeeping mission for decades. So what's changed that some people in Lebanon have become so hostile to them? Hannah McCarthy has been writing about this for The Examiner and joins us now. Afternoon, Hannah. Afternoon, Sean. There was a time, and I'm going back decades now, where you could go to... You could go round where uh, round Tibnine, where the original Camp Shamrock was, and you'd meet all sorts of Lebanese people who spoke English with an Irish accent. The economy, to a degree, was built around the presence of UNIFIL troops, and relations seemed to be very positive. Uh, why did that change? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You know, Irish troops would do kind of outreach to schools, teach English to local kids, and um, even in the current kind of new Camp Shamrock. The local shop is called Shuppa Ali. Um, you know, there's a kind of really good mm-hmm. links with the Irish troops in Lebanon. Um, so, you know, it's a kind of complex situation. There's a couple of different reasons, you know, why we've seen an uptick in altercations between peacekeepers uh, and locals. So I, I visited UNIFIL in February and actually that was kind of the focus um, of the visit to ask, you know, why have we seen an increase in these kind of attacks? And a lot of them were kind of, you know, opportunistic, you know, UNIFIL troops would be out on a patrol in the area and suddenly locals would start, you know, throwing stones. You know, there was cases where um, UNIFIL vehicles were vandalised. There was video circulated of locals, you know, jumping up and down on the vehicles. So, you know, I I spoke with the kind of officer who was leading Irish troops there, but, you know, what he thought was kind of happening. And, you know, it goes without saying it's not acceptable for people to attack peacekeepers. But some of the reasons, you know, there was some kind of genuine... um, Concerns of locals about, you know, having big military vehicles going through their neighbourhoods. Uh, you know, the last major war uh, was 2006 when Hezbollah fought Israel. So, you know, in, in the same way, you know, in cities around Ireland, you know, people would probably complain if there was, you know, heavy um, vehicles trundling along their um, streets in the morning or in the evenings. You know, there also is this idea that's kind of circulated that it's not true that, you know, UN peacekeepers carry out surveillance. That's not part of their mandate. And some kind of, you know, local groups like Hezbollah have capitalized on this idea and, you know, spread a suggestion that, you know, their surveillance is shared with Israel. And this kind of also capitalizes on some, you know, some kind of feelings that, you know, UN peacekeepers, they're in South Lebanon, but maybe they're not doing everything they should be doing. So, for example, you know, they don't have an enforcement mandate, so they monitor violations, they record them, but, you know, they're not kind of, you know, there's not a lot they can do unless the Lebanese government actually wants to take action on them. So, for example, Israel repeatedly fires missiles through Lebanese airspace to targets in Syria. And um, for people who are against Hezbollah, they also are like, you know, why is you know more not being done to stop the arms that's kind of flowing around Lebanon? So there's kind of a multitude of reasons for why local you're seeing some of these altercations. And again, the country is awash with guns. You know, it's going through a huge economic crisis. There is also just opportunistic criminality, you know, like thugs with guns for kind of want of a better description. Mm. The uh, And why is it in Hezbollah's interest to kind of spread this idea that somehow UNIFIL might be secretly in league with Israel? Well, so 
every so often, you know, there's kind of murmurs that, you know, maybe UN sh- the UN peacekeepers should have a stronger mandate to actually, you know, target arms smuggling. Um, you know, there's kind of, you know, the US has kind of argued for this routinely. So, and again, they don't want, they, they like the control they have in South Lebanon. They don't want peacekeepers going around disrupting, disrupting their operations. So kind of the area, area around the blue line, which is, you know, where a lot of Irish troops are based and the Syrian border would be kind of a hot spot for arms smuggling. So what we've also seen in the last kind of two years is, you know, kind of almost no-go areas where, you know, barricades have been put up um, to stop peacekeeper, peacekeepers doing their normal patrol, which is kind of, you know, the kind of bread and butter of, you know, good traditional peacekeeping. So um, it's in their interest because they want to keep their kind of hold on South Lebanon. Mm. Now, the, the, and, uh, but originally when UNIFIL was placed there, the peacekeeping was kind of the, like there was there was Hezbollah and various other groups. There was also a group called, as I recall, the South Lebanon Army, which were a proxy organization set up by Israel. And one of the main tasks of UNIFIL was keeping those bodies apart from each other. Who are they? Uh, who who are they keeping the peace for now? And who who do they have to keep an eye on? Um, well, I mean, there's, there's, there are consistently flare-ups now. Over the last kind of year or two, there have been flare-ups between Israeli forces and Hezbollah. Um, and there's also just remains kind of, you know, bands of militia. There's never been a kind of decommissioning process like you saw in Nor- Northern Ireland where groups were forced to hand over their arms. So, you know, you have a huge number of kind of local groups that have access to arms. Uh, and again, it is just worth noting that, you know, the actual village um, where... The attack took place was was um, controlled by Amal, which is another Shia militia. So you've got two kind of militias um, that work alongside each other in some of these areas. So, and again, there's there's kind of proxy wars that flare up, you know, routinely in South Lebanon, depending on what's happening in you know countries to the side to in border areas. So you know when the Gaza war happened in May 2021. Uh, you saw flare-ups along the border. You saw Palestinian militants kind of sh- um, firing rockets into Israel, Israeli territory, and you you saw quite a strong response from Israel. That happened again last year. Um, you know, Hezbollah um, kind of sided with the Assad regime um, and has sent some of its fighters into Syria at times. So you get all sorts of kind of proxy wars and fallout from regional conflicts as well. Um, so it it. It's a very complicated kind of peacekeeping mission in that sense. But at the same time, it's kind of, mm. it often has long periods of lulls. And then you kind of never, like, I mean, I, I, I spoke to peacekeepers and, you know, at one point and they said, you know, it's almost a bit of a pedestrian peacekeeping mission. You know, there was a sense, you know, there's not that much that they were doing. But then you have this kind of, these kind of events that change the dynamic on the ground very, very quickly. Yeah. Now, though, as I understand, is this correct? Where where, where the attack took place, it was outside the UNIFIL area. Is that correct? So so there's an area of operations that um, UN peacekeepers would kind of go on formal patrols. You know, we're talking about like 10,000 troops in South Lebanon. They obviously need to be able to move around other areas of the country, particularly to Beirut, where the main airport is. They've always been allowed to move for those purposes. Um, but the issue, and they were going on an administrative trip to the uh, to Beirut airport rather than a formal patrol. Um, so they they don't require a Lebanese um, a patrol with Lebanese the Lebanese army. Um, what kind of Hezbollah have been spreading kind of in in recent years is this idea that 
UN vehicles must always have um, an escort from the Lebanese army. So the Lebanese army is, you know, pretty well respected in local communities, unlike, you know, the political parties at the moment. Um, and, and what it does is it means that when people see kind of UN vehicles, you know, by themselves, they become a bit more vulnerable. You know, people get angry. They feel like they shouldn't be uh, allowed to move around. Um, it, it, most, like the vast majority of patrols are carried out with the Lebanese army. Um, you know, and that's good peacekeeping. And the ultimate aim of UNIFIL is to hand over that kind of monitoring to the Lebanese army. But because people believe that UN vehicles, you know, they should never be seen without a Lebanese armed uh, patrol, it makes them kind of vulnerable in these situations. So, you know, when you have a village uh, who isn't used to seeing these vehicles, that's kind of been reading, you know, all these kind of media reports that say they're not supposed to be there on their own, you know, that sees, you know, them being linked with Israeli surveillance, it creates a bit of a tinderbox situation. Uh, and obviously, because, you know, there are so many guns in, in these areas, you know, it's it's one of these situations that can spiral quite quickly. Mm. What's the uh, Lebanese government's attitude when they have one? Uh, what's the Lebanese government's attitude towards UNIFIL? Is there still a consensus that they still need it? Um, I mean, economically, absolutely. I mean, the peacekeepers provide, you know, a huge economic boon to the area. They have a long kind of history there. Um, and they they do, I mean, good peacekeeping. It's kind of one of those things, you know, when it's being done rightly, it's, you know, there's not much happening. Um, and again, mm. you know, it's kind of that thing, what you want is almost a boring situation. So at times it can be hard to kind of justify why they, they're there. But, you know, there's no doubt that the kind of presence of them has stopped, you know, Israeli strikes, you know, which they're perfectly willing to do on Lebanese territory and has, you know, I mean, chastened some of the Hezbollah activities that would happen, you know, you know, without restraint because there are peacekeepers who's there and someone monitoring them. Um, the Le- like Hezbollah is part of the Lebanese government. It should be said, you know, they're a parliamentary party as well as a militant group. The same with Amal. Um, the head of Amal, uh, Navi Berry, has been the head of parliament for 30 years. He His seat is in Tibnin. Uh, he is, you know, the local MP for where the former Camp Shamrock was. So, you know, they're, they're well aware of, you know, the presence of Irish peacekeepers. Um, I'm sure there will be, you know, outreach. Um, but ultimately, whether there's an investigation, a, lo- a proper local investigation into this, it, it's a completely a com- political decision. Um, you know, the, the Lebanese army is led by a Christian. The security agency is led by a, another Shia. Uh, and the kind of police service is led by a Sunni. So, you know, there's a lot of interactions that happen before they decide whether they're willing to deliver a proper investigation. Um, so, I mean, there are several investigations going on now, but, you know, it's worth noting that uh, Hezbollah and Amal both, you know, have obstructed the investigation, it, it, for example, into the Beirut port blast. Um, there was actually kind of a gun battle in Beirut last October because of protests over that investigation. So, you know, when they don't want something to be investigated, they're very willing, you know, to get their people out on the streets uh, and to make a very kind of public show. So, you know, I'm sure yeah. there's a range of discussions going on about, you know, whether there will actually be, whether they'll cooperate. Hannah, thanks a million for speaking with us today. That was Hannah McCarthy there. She's a a foreign reporter based in Beirut and is writing about uh, that situation today in today's Examiner. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? 
think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.